Welcome to this week's sermon audio from Covenant Presbyterian Church of Fort Smith. Covenant is a church devoted to theological depth, intimate relationships, joyous worship, relentless evangelism, and sacrificial service. Coming up, a sermon from our series, The Songs of Ascent. Here now is our pastor, Dr. John Clayton. Psalm 124. Psalm of Ascent. Psalm of Ascent of David. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's go to him dependently in prayer. Lord, we pray today that you would open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. That as the scriptures have been read and your word is to be proclaimed, that we may hear with joy what you have to say to us today. In Christ's name, amen. As as we see in this psalm today, a part of worship is acknowledging that God is bigger than our problems, whether man or nature. Part of this worship is recalling And reflecting upon how God has helped us in our lives. Corporate worship includes doing this together. Which includes singing. Whether it be psalms like this one. Or hymns or songs. In corporate worship we sing Together, making melody to the Lord from the heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Surely St. Augustine was right when he said, He who sings prays twice. As our psalms and as our hymns and our songs are in effect sung prayers, so our singing echoes praise from our heart. As we sing in corporate worship, we often read and repeat words, not mindlessly, but redemptively. The words, so to speak, they are liturgically leading us as we sing them in worship, meditating upon them and singing them as if pronouncing the truth that we sing. In traditional Jewish worship, a hazan, if I'm pronouncing that correct, or in English, a cantor, would sing 
and then lead the congregation in sung prayers. In this psalm, David is serving as the cantor. As he first sings, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, then leading. Let Israel now say, and now, and now we're, we're singing together, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. You see, the repetition is not pragmatic. Step out of your literalness. It is poetic. David is leading us to sing a song together. And so God's people sang in this way. And so we sing together today. I remember someone saying to me one time, and it wasn't anyone in this congregation, I'm thankful to say, saying to me one time, you know that I wait until the singing and prayers are done and I just go for the sermon. That's the saddest thing I had ever heard up to that point about corporate worship. As if the worship service is just the sermon. That is utter nonsense. Because you see in corporate singing, Derek Thomas puts this this way. He says it has a horizontal aspect and a vertical aspect. Not only is singing, Thomas says, not only is singing songs a way of expressing our love and devotion to the Lord, it is also a way of engaging in the communion of the saints. The shared responsibility we have for each other's growth and development as believers. You see, singing is relationally an expression of our love for the Lord and, and here's the big and, and our love for one another. The loss of congregational singing was certainly one of the tragedies of the pandemic, wasn't it? When you think about it. A live stream may be streaming, but it ain't living, is it? We may have been together in spirit, but you see, God has made you, and He has made me, and redeemed us for true, real life, in the flesh, local fellowship together. I think, again, Derek Thomas is on point. When he asks, do we sing to the Lord? Yes. But we are also exhorting each other. If we see worship as quiet meditations only, then it can quickly become very individualistic. Worship quickly becomes something about me and God. But if the nature of worship, gathered worship on the Lord's Day is collective, about the body of Christ as a whole, then singing is an ideal form to get into each other's space. It is difficult to make it about me when I have to listen to others singing and join in. <laughs> and I think that is so true. I think that he is right in this. In singing together every Lord's Day, I am reminded of the words of John the Baptist. He must become greater. I must become less. And so David leads us in singing. What we need to say. What we need to hear. And David does it on repeat. 
If it had not been the Lord who was with us, all together, Israel, now sing out. If it had not been the Lord who was for us, then what? And you see, we're now in this psalm. And we're now singing together a chorus praising the Lord. For the Lord is for us. For if God is for us, who can be against us? Unlike English, Hebrew is a terse language with each word in a psalm, for example, carrying meaning in that word. This is why it takes several English words to typically equal one Hebrew word in translation. Now, taking advantage of the terseness of the Hebrew language, the psalmist will often set two or three words against two or three words. The result of this parallel is amplification of meaning between the two, or it could be comparison between the two, or, as is the case in this psalm, it can be contrast in the poem. For example, the second verse, look with me, the second verse of this psalm in the Hebrew, which is translated here, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, is set against when people rose up against us. Those set on our destruction are set against the Lord. Now that is a striking contrast. This is David's intent as it is the continuing contrast that he is painting the picture of in this psalm. He goes on and employs a conditional if-then statement. David is leading us in this psalm to sing of differences. If that the Lord had not our own right maintained, if that the Lord had not with us remained, when cruel men rose against us, rose to strive, we surely would have been swallowed up alive. And so the Scottish Psalter brilliantly translates this, rendering it into song. But what of its substance? Who are these cruel men, as the Psalter puts it, who were to swallow us up? Who might have, who could have swallowed us up alive? Who are these cruel men? And then as fierce floods before them, all things drown. So had they brought our soul to death quite down. The raging streams with their proud swelling waves had then our soul overwhelmed as in the grave. Who are these cruel men? Who are these fear- what are these fierce floods? What are these raging streams? What are these swelling waves? This is a psalm of David. And David knew quite well of cruel men. Inside Israel and outside Israel. From his father-in-law, the king, to his rebellious son later. From the threat of one giant to the threat of a host of Philistines. David knew the threat of enemies all around him. And as the king of the nation, Israel's enemies were his enemies. Likewise, flooding is used consistently in the Old Testament as a metaphor for warfare. 
Just as the valleys of arid Israel could swell with flood waters during the rainy season, causing destruction, even death, warfare could sweep in and destroy an entire people. But David is not leading us to rally the troops. That's not the point of this psalm. He is praising God who is without fail always, always on our side. Whether threat from our enemies or natural disaster, David knows and he wants us to sing and he wants us to sing together of God's provision. As he sang upon defeating the Philistine army at Perazam, David sang, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. You see, with the Lord on our side, we are not only saved from the destroying flood, but like the Red Sea walls, which was read about today, In our reading, like those Red Sea walls of water, the Lord saves us and also destroys our enemies like a breaking flood. But there is also a deeper meaning that we must not miss. For you see, there is one who hates you and hates me more than our worst enemy. And there is one who would love to drown us in the torment of eternity if he could. The Apostle Paul describes this enemy of ours in this way. He is a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and on his heads seven diadems. Sounds like somebody that can swallow you alive, doesn't it? A dragon. Ooh, (laughs) though he sounds quite ominous, you know he's just that snake in the grass. He's that serpent of old, fallen from glory, cursed for eternity, but growling and prowling, seeking someone to devour. A man-eater indeed. John says that he was in fact, this dragon, this old snake in the grass, he was so bold as to even pursue the virgin who was about to give birth so that when she bore the child, he might devour it. Pursuing her son, that man-eating dragon at last, he thought he had won. He thought he had won on Calvary, you know. Only to find himself defeated In Christ's victorious resurrection. As Jesus resurrected and ascended. As Christ the King. That defeated dragon has now turned his attention elsewhere. To the bride of Christ. Seeking to devour and drown. The unconquerable and the undrownable. But though he may try. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Though that dragon may roar. Though the river of sin rage. Though the torrent of death rise. We do not fear him. We do not fear. But we do what? We rejoice. 
We do not fear, but we rejoice. In fact, Scripture says that we give thanks to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, brothers and sisters, we have been delivered from destruction for the Lord is on our side. Although in Christ we have been delivered from eternal destruction, the world and the flesh and the devil still covet your fear. You know that, right? The world, the flesh, and the devil, if they could have anything since they can't have you, they want your fear. Like prey of the ravenous, they would have us pray their sharp teeth. Look at the psalm with me. What's the emphasis? Ooh, their prey, their teeth. It's like the snarling dog who shows its teeth. Like a bird ensnared in a trap. They lust for our despair. If Satan can't have you, he at least wants your trepidation. If Satan can't have God's glory, he at least wants your fear. This is one of the reasons we sing praises to the Lord with one another. This is why we sing together. One of the reasons anyway. Sinful fear is squashed under the weight of glorious, gracious, grateful praise. Blessed be the Lord, David sings. Blessed be the Lord, David sings. To say that God blesses us implies help and provision. We are a blessed people. But when we bless God, as David does here in this psalm, we're not implying that God needs help or provision from us. I mean, good grief. God puts it so plainly in Psalm 50, if I were hungry, I would not tell you. <laughs> God goes on to say, for the world and all its fullness are mine. No, to bless God is an expression of thankfulness. An exclamation of gratitude and admiration. It's kind of like the said prayer at dinner time. When we pray and it is referred to a blessing, we're not saying that somehow my prayer has some sort of mystical presence over that food, right? Give me a break. What do we mean by blessing? We mean it in the same sense that we are grateful to God for His provision. And as the Lord is in His very being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth, He and He alone is the Blessed One. But what does blessing the Lord have to do with fear and our freedom from it? What does blessing the Lord have to do with freedom from fear? Grateful praise to God takes our focus off the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Let me say that again. Grateful praise, praise of gratitude to God, thanking God, blessing God, takes our focus off the lies of the world, our flesh, and the devil, and puts it on who God is and what He has done. 
It is really difficult, perhaps impossible, to rightly fear God and fear anything else. The world would have us fear its pervasive influence. But our Lord says, take courage. I have conquered the world. Our flesh would have us fear its sinister control. But the word says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. And the devil, oh, he so wants you to think that his power is as if it's equivalent to God's. He'd have us believe in a perverted power, so to speak. But the sage says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. That's a fact. Blessing the Lord also reminds us of the freedom that we have in Christ. The true eternal freedom that we have in Christ. Like a bird from a hunter's trap. The snare is broken. And we have escaped. I love the way one pastor puts this. He says... Take note. Notice that the bird was not kept from the snare. It had been snared. But the snare was broken. So that the bird could escape. The bird did not break the snare. It couldn't. The fowler certainly didn't break the snare. He wouldn't. A deliverer, however, had broken the trap. And the bird was set free. By analogy, that is the gospel. You want to see the gospel in this song? Well, it's all over the place, of course. But look there. Look at the birdie. <laughs> By God's grace, through faith in Christ, we have been set free. And if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed, Jesus said. Like a bird, we were once ensnared by the devil, encaged by sin, held by death. But the Lord has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. As from the snare a bird escapeth free, their net is rent, and so escaped we. David concludes what I call his sing-along psalm with a statement of truth and it's a truth that's repeated throughout the Psalms of Ascent. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now it stands to reason if we need help in this world, we should seek it from Him who made it. Right? I mean, that's just logical to me. I'd imagine to you as well. But David has chosen an oft-repeated expression that quite candidly becomes all too commonplace to our ears. And that is the expression, the name of the Lord. And David is using it here with significance, as it is used consistently in Scripture. The Lord's name signifies His blessing and His sovereign protection for His covenant people, whom He loves and to whom he revealed himself as Yahweh, which is translated here as Lord. The Lord is not on the side of the man-eaters or the floodwaters. No, the Lord 
is on our side. It is the Lord whom we bless. And our help is in His name and no one else's. The Lord is not one of those fake pagan gods. There is but one only, the living and true God. He who made heaven and earth is on our side. And by the way, He's not there because of capitulation or coercion, if even that were possible. Nor is He a fickle God who says, well, I wonder whose side I'm going to be on today. Like sports, a game in the playground. Whose side is He on today? No, He is the Lord. And He is on our side because He loves us. And in His love, we find that He who made heaven and earth is our beloved and we are His. St. Augustine said, singing is what the lover does. And so we do. Oh, sing a new song to the Lord. All earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord and bless His name. He saves each day proclaim. His glory to all nations show. His deeds let peoples know. The Lord is great. How great His praise. Above all gods He's feared. For heathen gods are idols vain. The Lord the heavens made. Before Him honor, majesty, and strength, and splendor be. And so, brothers and sisters, we sing. And and we do it together. We sing together every Lord's Day. Praising the Lord of love in love. And we sing. Because that's what lovers do. Let's pray. Our gracious God in heaven. We do thank you for voices. We thank you that we can lift our voices and sing to you. We thank you that we can do this together. We thank you that we are able to sing praises to you. For as we were once caught in the cage, in the fowler's trap. You have set us free in Christ. As we were once those who would be drowned. You have saved us and rescued us. As we would have been swallowed alive by that dirty old dragon. You have rescued us in your death and resurrection. And so we have reason to sing. We have reason to cry out with our voices. For you are our beloved, and we are yours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you have grown in your knowledge of and love for God. Covenant Presbyterian is a PCA church that meets for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Our address is 120 North 9th Street in historic downtown Fort Smith, Arkansas. For more information about Covenant, visit our website at www.cpcfs.org.